0: So we are in our series on um, some assembly required or serve it up. And, uh, you know, this being Mother's Day, I wanted to make a, a short mention uh, of mothers. My favorite scripture, when I think, of mothers and mothers. Um, uh, Women and families would be 2 Corinthians, uh, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. So you realize that um, you can and you should pass your faith to the next generation so that you're not. Um, just uh, living good and healthy and wealthy and doing all this, but you lose your own kids. So um, you think of that, you know, we get taught that a lot being in full-time ministry um, or vocational ministry, but, um, you know, uh, it's just as important in serving. You know, I've known families that they were always serving all the time, but in the process, they didn't engage their kids enough, so the kids felt like, The church has always taken mom and dad away from me instead of mom and dad are better because they're part of this. And so, you know, we talked about the family that addicted themselves to serving. Well, they got addicted to serving because they really saw like the anointing flowed through you and to you when you're serving. You actually uh, partake of that same anointing and that same flow and you partake of things that you cannot partake of alone out in the woods where some people are like, I'm in the woods, That's the closest place I worship God. Well, probably that's where you actually get quiet and you focus your heart to the Lord. I had a friend who pastored a campus church up in Michigan and they had uh, what they call, um, I probably shouldn't use the name of it, But uh, they had these weekends where you would uh, go get together and encounter God, essentially. And, um, you know, in a lot of it, they they kind of uh, went back and they did like some... focused on, uh, I'm a faith guy, all right. So I like to focus on who we are in Christ and who, has God, who God has made us. Well, another side of the mountain is you can focus on like, when I was five, the devil did this to me, you know, through a person. And when I was nine, this happened and this happened and everything. Jesus said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, if you really focus on uh, one preacher said, if you focus on doing the do's, you won't have time to do the don'ts, right? So if you're focusing on, you know, I shouldn't cuss, I shouldn't, you know, uh, allow these bad thoughts, I shouldn't, you know, steal money or whatever, whatever's going on, uh, you're really gonna kind of move in the direction of your dominant thoughts. So you don't wanna, like, not do a negative, you just wanna do a positive and the negative stuff kind of falls off. And um, so we were discussing these weekends and I told him, I said, you know, I said, uh, he's like, yeah, but we get results. Cause they were focusing on kind of some negative stuff what the devil was doing in people's lives and acknowledging a lot of that. And, and so on, and so forth. I said, you know what? I said, I guarantee you this, if you take those same people and you tell them, I said, I said, what are they doing before they go? I said, the last two weeks before they go, are they praying? Oh, yeah, yeah, they're praying. Their whole family's praying for them. They're like, that they're going to like really hear from God and see God and do all this stuff and stuff. I said, that's great. I said, if you took the same people, people are so busy in their lives. Most people don't take time for God. So if you took the same people and you said, you know what? For two weeks, I want you to pray um, about this time that you're going to dedicate and spend alone with the Lord. And that the Lord will speak to you, that you'll see things, that you'll, you know, be touched in your heart and know things that you need to do or maybe things that you are doing that you don't even realize you're doing that you need to drop off. And I said, Because you what you have done is you have created an expectation in the people that when they go for the weekend, they're gonna hear from God. That's how God works. You come expecting God to do something. You come to church expecting God to speak, and he will speak. You go to your prayer time, just you and the Lord this afternoon, expect God to speak to you, he will speak to you. But if you go and you're just, it's just a regular routine, your day in and day out, it becomes um, boring to your flesh maybe sometimes, then uh, you don't have as much expectation. And so you don't come, uh, what do you, how would I say it? pulling on God, or with your spiritual antennas, how Brother Hagin would say. You don't come like, oh, he's going to say something. And um, so anyhow, we uh, we were friends. We still are friends. But um, we just saw things from a, a, different, a different angle and a, and a different uh, case. You know, you can go about things that way, but it's, you're just going to have to go the long way and go through a bunch of stuff and uh, maybe stumble along the way. But um, we walk by faith and not by sight. So, uh, you know, and then the, the only other thing about... Uh, Mother's Day is, uh, you know, when you are, I think of Abraham and Sarah, and um, God said to Abraham, I call you father of multitudes, or father of nations, because I have made you that, before there was no physical evidence of it. So if you're, um, you know, believing to uh, be married or to have children, then, you know, See yourself with what you're believing for. See yourself with a spouse. See yourself with children. Because God actually calls those things which be not as though they were. Faith calls those things which be not as though they were. And a lot of times, we will let ourselves think or let people put uh, thoughts in our minds that, um, well, that would be a lie because that's just not the case. Like I call my bank account full and blessed. And you might look at it and say like, yeah, there's like, you know, $200 in there. Uh, but God calls those things which be not as though they were, and he actually gave us an example that we're to follow the exact same path so that we call those things which be not as though they were. Because from the very beginning, uh, the world that we see was made, was formed through what is not seen, through words. In fact, science has backed that up in the fact that uh, when I went to school, they taught us about um, uh, the nucleus of an atom, protons, neutrons, electrons and um, then since I got out then they found out okay well there's much smaller things than that now and so then they started talking about quarks and then last I heard they got beyond the quark and they found out like what the quark is made of is actually sound waves so um, it seems like the Bible is correct like we were talking in in the time of giving is that it's neat when science catches up with the Bible And you find that, um, you know, the Bible actually is true. And it actually works. So that uh, when God spoke, the world began to form based on his words. So when you or I speak, there's great power. And sometimes you worry. uh, I don't, but I did in the past. And sometimes we could find ourselves worrying that, well, somebody's going to speak a curse over me. You know who really speaks the most curses over you? Is yourself if you don't watch your own words, okay? Um, And a curse really has no power if you don't believe it has power. You know, if you're gonna say like, oh, so-and-so, they're putting out curses and I don't wanna be affected by it, you know. Well, uh, Balaam found out that the curse of someone has no match for the blessing of the Lord. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law and every other curse. And so we don't have to live under a curse. We don't have to worry about curses. But where we ought to look is what's coming out of our mouth. Because you are framing your world with your words. Uh, Brother Hagin used to say this all the time. If you don't like what you have, look at what you've been saying. Because in a great measure, what you experience today is based on what you thought and said yesterday. I don't mean Saturday. I'm talking about last month, last year. Now, all of us... Okay, I I have a tendency to do it, don't I? I'll just speak for myself. Like... I have moments where I'm not speaking in faith, where I let my flesh rise up and I, you know, I just like go ahead and spew forth, you know, sometimes from the pit of hell, hopefully mostly not, (laughs) but sometimes it is. Um, But, you know, anything that's not of faith is sin, the Bible says. And so we want to always speak in faith. In other words, anything that's not trusting in God and your statement and your thoughts is sin. So it's easier to sin or miss the mark than what, what we thought, and that's just to not act in faith. In other words, like, you know, I, this just isn't working out for me, so I'm just going to do this myself. And um, God will, God is so awesome that he will bless you, he'll bless me as far as we'll let him, you know. But he can't f- put his full blessing and his full approval on your way to do it or my way to do it. He'll bless you or me as far as I'll let him. And so, if you uh, believe God that um, only you'll never have cancer, you'll never have a terminal disease, those type of things, then that's where your faith is at. You can have faith there. And in fact, I know of a lady that Dad Hagen talked about that she had faith for that, um, but uh, she didn't have faith for like uh, colds and flus. So she get colds and flus, but cancer came, she goes away. Other, also heard of the opposite where you have faith for like a cold and a flu, but then some big cancer comes and they don't have faith for that. So you realize we have faith, we can have faith in one area and not in another. And um, you can have faith financially for certain things and not for other financial things. You can have faith um, for your attitude in certain relationships, but not in others. You know, in relationships, that's generally an indication that you're really fleshing out because you want to be mad at that person (laughs) and you want to tell that person off. Um, But you and I are to walk by faith and not by the sense realm, not by what we see or feel or can touch. And um, one of the best ways to stay in faith, you know, um, Peter... And John, after they were in prison, says they went to their own company. They went to those that they believe the same as, that they were with. Because when you're in a a group of people that believe the same as you, it strengthens your faith. And it causes you to actually um, sometimes even step out in ways that you wouldn't on your own. And it definitely causes you to be like, uh, I've been in situations where I didn't realize I was in a weakened faith condition. Right? We all have the measure of faith. God has given to every man the measure of faith. Uh, and then you get around uh, your own company, your own people, your own uh, people that believe the way you do and speak the way you do and think the way you do about the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And you know it causes you to kind of like stand up a little taller and, and, and uh, be a little more bold for the things of God. And, uh, you know, that's one of the major things we're talking about in this series is when we come together, the body of Christ was designed to be connected in order for all of the supply of the spirit of God to flow effectively to every part so that we're not out on our own doing our own thing, but we actually come together. And, um, you know, we are just one church in the Washington, D.C. area, and uh, I, I I don't actually know why. Brother Higgins said, don't be afraid to say you don't know. So I don't know. I don't know why in the body of Christ at large, there's more not more unity than what there is and why people like, kind of want to uh, just always do their own thing and, and those type of things. But um, we're to do our part. And uh, one of the greatest things that uh, we can do is to walk in faith and love with other members of the body of Christ. So I came from denominational church, and... Uh, as soon as I was filled with the Spirit, uh, I kind of wanted to hang out at the uh, Holy Ghost Church. So there was a church in town. It was in Augusta, Georgia. And this church was pastored by a woman. I was at a Baptist church. That's why that's significant. Okay, I wouldn't normally say that, but hopefully they don't hear this. But I, the Baptist church was wonderful, and I loved them. And they were a very good ba- Southern Baptist church. But they didn't believe in women ministers. And... Um, so, but this lady was a, a, a woman pastor and a good pastor. In fact, um, that's the first place I ever saw Brother Hagen. when I told those stories, I, where I first saw Brother Hagen was at her church. And they had had, at that time, I think when he came, they had had like three uh, brain dead people raised up, completely restored. And then by the time, maybe like three or four years later, they had like seven. And they had such good results that the Medical College of Georgia is down there, so they asked her to come and be a speaker on alternative methods of healing at uh, MCG, they call it, Medical College of Georgia. And so they would teach, and then I think even to this day, they have, like, a room where they minister healing there at the hospital, the secular hospital. Um, Because, uh, again, medical science, you know, if... Most doctors are really honest. They're like, I can't heal anybody. I can just put your body in the best condition to heal itself, they'll say. Or some doctors actually are uh, faith of faith. And so they'll say, you know what? According to medical science, there is no hope. But we know that God is bigger than medical science. Uh, so, uh, anyhow, I was uh, uh, sneaking off to this uh, church and. Um, that's where Brother Hagin came and I, I got to uh, uh, experience his ministry and those type of things. And um, just made such a tremendous difference in my life. And, um, but you find like I wanted in my flesh to just like stop going to the Southern Baptist Church and start going to the other church. In fact, I had friends that told me that I had also been baptized in the Holy Spirit and that, that church didn't turn me out for it, some churches do. And um, they said, well, you need to stop going to that church. You need to go here. Well, on the inside of my heart, I just didn't feel like, I was like, uh, eh, I don't think that's, I need to stay here. And I'm so glad I did because when I stayed there, they had um, a revival down in Florida was going on at that time. This was in the mid-90s. And people from the Baptist church, I think, also snuck off and went to this revival. And then they came back. And it was kind of a revival of repentance, people changing from you know um, sins they were doing and stuff like that and coming to God and so this Baptist church actually started to have a revival in the areas where they could accept and believe okay so um You know, some of the demonstrations of the Holy Spirit, uh, people haven't read all of the words, so they don't see them in there, so they won't accept them. But what they accepted was repentance, because in the Baptist church, like, salvation and repentance is huge. And so they actually had this uh, move of God in those areas. And um, it's the best thing in the world. I stayed there, because in my flesh, I wanted to just be like, turn everything off that they ever said, because they were wrong on all this other stuff. They didn't have the light on it. But, you know, that would have caused caused a division in my heart between the rest of the body of Christ. So the fact that I listened to the Lord and stayed there, it left my heart open to them. And, um, you know, I wouldn't recommend somebody to do that for a long period of time, because that was, uh, you know, I was getting ready to move to go to Bible school and, and, and those things, because you need, like we said, your faith has to be stirred up and buoyed up with people of like faith. And if you really feel like you're called to a place like that, you need to make sure you're called to a place like that. Uh, because what most of the time happens is your faith goes backwards, not forwards. Does that make sense? So, but the Lord used it uh, to teach me, and you know, I only had, I think I had like, I don't know, four to six months before I was moving to go to Bible school, and so I just went to both churches. And it gave me a a real good uh, perspective. Interesting little side story is that when I went to the the church pastor by a woman, Uh, they always complimented my Baptist church and said such good things about it. They never talked bad about the church at all. Now at the Baptist church, the pastor never said anything, the senior pastor never said anything bad. He said, oh, you know, But some of the guys underneath that were volunteers, they were like, that's a woman pastor. I would never in my life, you know, and just, uh, you know, you know, they believe in healing over there and, you know, just all this like terrible stuff, (laughs) Um, what they thought maybe were insults. But um, it's really compliments, you know, like, are you one of those faith people? Like, yes, I believe God will do what he said he would do. Uh, And I believe the, the word of God is true. For me, So when we talk about the body of Christ, we want to be, um, you know, really, if you can conquer something in your heart, you don't have to worry about what your mouth's going to say. You don't have to worry about what your body's going to do because you've already conquered it in your heart. So if you've conquered, like when you're uh, talking to other people or uh, other churches, just like I just see them, they love God. If they love God and Jesus Christ is their Lord, I'm happy for them. You know I'm thankful for them because they're a part of the body of Christ, and uh, every every person in the body of Christ doesn't have the same role. Every church doesn't have the same role. Every church shouldn't have the same role. Um, so we are members together, and um, we're not off on our own. So we're looking at First Corinthians chapter uh, 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read verse 18. But now God has set some members in the church, everyone as it pleased Him, uh, in the body. Uh, So that he was pleased. And then verse 27 is kind of our our main verse we're using for this. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. So we want to talk. I'm not going to speak for very much longer here. But we want to talk just for a couple more minutes about serving in the body of Christ. And finding your place in the body of Christ. I remember uh, I was actually restoring some old videos for Rhema. um, After Dad Hagen had passed away. And um, uh, so I was restoring uh, 1974, the first year they ever had the, the training center there. And um, on some of those videos, Dad Hagen started talking about deacons. And uh, if you look in the Bible, and um, I'll read just a section here, and then I won't, I won't spend too long on it for the sake of time, but First uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, likewise must deacons be grave. That doesn't mean dead. Like sober, you know, um, not double-tongued, so not lying, not given to much wine, uh, not greedy for filthy lucre. Uh, The the Bible actually says, like, the bishop, which is a pastoral role, and sometimes a bishop can also be church planter, those type of things, uh, shouldn't be given to wine, so in the, that the deacon shouldn't be given to much wine, so there's kind of like a progression there. Um, But, um, Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved. Let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase for themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith. Uh, which is in Jesus Christ. Well, we've got some great examples of deacons, like Stephen was a deacon, and uh, Philip was a deacon before he was an evangelist. And so you find, like, deacon, the best way really to define deacon is someone that serves. So you guys are all involved, you're deacons. Uh, you know, uh, any type of uh, helps ministry that's not like the fivefold ministry is going to be like a serving-oriented ministry, and... Um, you know, actually I'd like to tell most people in the fivefold ministry, Jesus said, like, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I think we talked about that a little bit last week, is that we're all here to serve. Uh, we're all here to help. But the, the fact that in your part, in the body of Christ, you have an office that you stand in, the same as I have an office that I stand in. And then there's an anointing that's available for that office. And an, an anointing to fulfill that office. And Brother Hagan, in this uh, lesson he was giving to students, said something, and I'd never heard him say it when I was traveling with him. And he said, you know, he said, in all my years, I've only ever met maybe one or two Bible deacons. He said, I've met a lot of people that are called deacons, have the title of deacon, but I've only ever met one or two actual, what I would say, that's a deacon like in the Bible. And, of course, that got my attention because that's... Uh, you know, he was in the ministry. Well, at, the time, at that time, he was only in ministry probably like, um, what would it be, 45 years. So when he passed away, it was like 69 and three quarters years. So he had a little bit of experience, a little more than me. And um, he said that, and then he went on to amplify, and he said, You know, I was at one church, and the pastor had a moral failing. And he said, oh, I've messed up. You know, I'm gonna, you know, I need to get out of the ministry and do all this type of stuff. And the deacon came to him and said, well, um, are you repentant? Oh, yeah, like I've, I completely have asked the Lord to forgive me. I have no use for this anymore, and I'm not involved with it or with them. And um, he said, well, I don't see why you wouldn't, why wouldn't, would you be willing to stay here and let us restore you? And he's like, yeah, I guess I would. And so they actually restored that man, and he stayed in the ministry. And Brother Hagen told about another guy um, that had uh, the pastor uh, messed up financially somehow. He didn't give the exact details, but probably stole money or something. I don't know. And um, same, same scenario. And he said, you know, because in most churches, you're going to have like if uh, somebody messes up, especially like the pastor, it's like, you know, crucify him. You know, let's get rid of them. And some of the people probably need to be gotten rid of because if they're just happy to live that way and they're going to live that way, you don't need them and they're not in a condition to lead. Uh, But this particular church uh, and the deacon was willing to say, you know what, why don't you let us restore you? So they looked beyond, uh, you know, I would call it self-righteousness, <laughs> and said, "You know, this is what we're this is what we're going to do. We're part of the body of Christ. We're here to restore you, and we're here to help you." And so, um, you find that what we put titles on for roles that people have. Um, And what we see people do is not always the full amplification of the biblical definition of what that role is. And so the deacons really are there to help and to serve, and that's how this deacon was helping and serving. And uh, I hope you understand what I'm saying. It wasn't like he was giving this guy an excuse to do anything because that's not uh, uh, at all appropriate in any sort of way or fashion or anything. But to walk in love and to restore someone, the Bible actually says in Galatians chapter 6... That um, if, uh, brothers, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest you also be tempted. So that deacon was meekly restoring the pastor uh, and helping him to continue to fulfill what God had called him to do in that church and in his roles. And then we find that there's actually a ministry of exhortation, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 8 Amplified says, or he that encourages in the act of encouragement, he who gives with generosity, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy in caring for others with cheerfulness. So there's there's a ministry of encouragement in the body of Christ. There's a ministry of generosity, of giving. Um, There's a ministry of showing mercy, and there's a ministry of cheerfulness. I tell my wife sometimes, uh, really before we moved here, and uh, we're pastor in the church. I said, "You know, like you're such a blessing to people just the fact that you're like so happy and you come in kind." She's like cuz she's like, "Oh, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm not a good speaker and, and these type of things." I'm like, you, "People come in contact with you and it makes their day better." I said, "I can't tell you like how significant that is." Well, you see in her mind, and it's probably the same in your mind. Maybe an area where the Lord has gifted you you see as not significant. Well, that's good. That's where the devil wants you to think because you're not going to use it. You're not going to do much with it. But when you start to realize this is something that the Lord has put in me, this is something that I have to give, Uh, you're way more of a blessing than what you will ever know this side of heaven. And you make more of a difference than what you ever know this side of heaven. None of that is like, you know, you need to, if you're like my wife, Uh, It doesn't mean you don't witness, you don't do all this type of stuff, but she's a huge witness just by how she is. You know, and she's not like that all the time. She's like that most of the time. I'm trying to say she's not perfect. It's Mother's Day, she's perfect. But, um, no, she's like that all the time, but she would regard it as not as significant. Uh, You know, of course, I've been telling her how significant it is. But... um, so in your heart, you know, think for a second, like, what is it in you? You, know, you may find that people say, like, you know, you're really gifted in this area or that area. There was a, um, speaking of encouragement, there was a lady in um, one of Brother Hagin's churches that was uh, an encourager, and um, there was a service, and he was closing out the service, and at the end of the service, this lady started to Really start to encourage and prophesy. And he ran churches decently in order. So he said, okay, he's like, he said, go ahead, give that out. So she stood up and she just started speaking words of encouragement with her eyes shut. And she's walking back and forth on this, up on this little wood thing. And so she'd go and she's speaking these words of encouragement. And someone that was lost came, went to the altar and received Jesus. Her eyes are shut. She turns and then, um, Every time someone would come down, she'd do a little dance. But her eyes were closed. She didn't even know they were down there. So she goes and she keeps encouraging, keeps encouraging until every person that was in the auditorium that wasn't born again came to the altar. And, um, you know, she actually, in the process, when the last one did, uh, Brother Hagin said, he's like, God is my witness, and everyone else that was there, she was was up on like, you know, how they used to call the platform like the altar. You know, so she's up there, and she starts dancing. The last one, she danced out in the middle of the air and then came back on the stage with her eyes shut, probably for eyes were open, she'd have fell. um, But God has roles for you and for me um, in the body of Christ that we're not even aware of. And you may stand in more than one role. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I don't, Uh, have giving or encouragement or whatever else it is. And just because you're not a pastor doesn't mean that you don't have other giftings, or it doesn't mean that maybe you're not called to be a pastor later in the future. Um, So the giftings don't work uh, independently, you know, and even when you talk about studying the gifts of the Spirit... Uh, we'll like study them, like you know, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, uh, miracles, faith, gifts of healing, and um, diversities of tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. So we'll talk about them all like that, and we think, okay, like, well, that person operates in the gifts of prophecy. Well, very rarely do you actually see just the gift of prophecy on its own, or just the gift of interpretation on its own, or just working of miracles without maybe special faith, or so we'll like. In our heads to look and study and figure out and understand, we separate them all, but they really work together. And really, uh, the best gift is the gift that's needed at the moment. And so, same thing with the body of Christ. We kind of separate like all these out uh, to um, to explain them and to understand them with our minds. But you're going to have uh, people flowing in and out of these uh, offices and these gifts periodically, so that you're not like my ministry is giving and that's my only ministry. So I actually don't pray for the church. I actually don't attend the church. I send my check, you know, and this is, this is what, <laughs> this is my role and this is my job. Well, you actually have more roles than that and um, more uh, ability than that. And the anointing is there for more than just that one thing that maybe you have an affinity for that you like and you're kind of like, oh, this is, this is my area. You know, I'm not, I'm not interested in all the rest. When you are in your place of serving, things happen. When I was um, serving as an usher at Raymond, they said, get involved. So I got involved. I wanted to learn. Um, I'm more like a reserve personality. So I became an usher and got to meet people. And the Lord laid on my heart 13 months after I started ushering. You need to do video, which I never had dreamed of. And so I started serving in the video department. And then about a year later, they uh, wanted to hire me on staff. And so I've told you some of that story. So I went on staff. Well, three months after I went on staff, I actually, you know, I was making a lot of money and had the potential to make a lot of money before I went on staff at Rayma. And then, um, you know, I had a change of income. And so uh, I'm there and I still worked part time at the other job because they, I had flight benefits and I could fly and um, it was nice to have a little bit of extra money. And, um, but there came a time when there was like a 90 day thing where I had worked at Rayma where I had to like... You know, if I was going to stay there, I was going to stay there. And um, I knew in my heart, I don't know how to explain this any other way than just to say I just knew it in my heart, that if I left and didn't stay, that the whole course of my life would change. So I had been on one meeting with Brother Hagen. I wasn't full-time yet. I, of course, I stayed. And um, that's when, shortly after that, they put me on full-time with Brother Hagen. But what happened, the, I think it was the week after I committed to the Lord, okay, I'll stay, I met my, my wife, and I met my wife just, um, we were going to do interviews, and I wasn't even that excited, I wasn't upset, but I wasn't that excited to go do these interviews, yeah, we're doing these interviews, but I was just serving, so the Lord opened the door for me to actually be a part of the ministry on paid staff by serving, and then when I was on paid staff and serving, uh, I met my wife, and so I have been extremely blessed serving in where the Lord has called me to serve and what he's called me to do. And that has really opened up tremendous opportunities and doors in my life just through serving him, through being faithful and labeling those VHS tapes. We should call this like the VHS tape series, you know, we should label it that. and. Um, but when you're in your place and you're serving and you serve as to the Lord, it's like you know I had the thoughts like should I stay, should I not? But I always stayed. I said no, I'm I'm submitted to you, Lord. This doesn't make any sense to my head. This is crazy to my head, you know. And um, some of my some people would tell me it was crazy, and uh, but. You know, it's always fun to look in hindsight and say, oh, I'm so glad I did that. And I knew I knew, uh, with the decision that it was something very, very significant. And I know, like, my wife was the biggest part of that. And then, of course, driving with Dad Hagen was was another big, big part of that. But when you're in your place to serve, you're in a place where the anointing can come and the things that you need, the Lord can get through to you. It's like we talked about two weeks ago. If you're trying to, like... Uh, have this big ship and you want to steer it or a jet ski and you want to steer it you have to like be moving because you can sit there and turn the wheel all you want but you're, if you're not moving you're not going to go anywhere and if you're part of the body of Christ you need to be moving which means you need to be involved and serving and, um, so that the anointing can come last story I'll tell you is when I was at um, what year would I have been? I think it's right before I started school and um, I was sitting in the church auditorium there, and I sat next to this really nice-looking old lady. And she was pretty old. She had, like, all white hair. And I sat down next to her, and I just... I, I guess I did because the Spirit of God inspired me to do it. But I sat down, and I said, do you need somebody to mow your lawn? And she said, ah, I just prayed to the Lord today to send me somebody to mow my lawn. And so I was oh, awesome. So... I was doing it not to make money. I felt the Lord laid on my heart um, to take care of uh, like orphans and widows, and I didn't know any orphans. And this woman was a widow, and um, but I wasn't. When I sat down, I didn't even think about it. I just sat down and spoke that to her, and I found out later she was a widow. And um, so over like my time at Ramah, I don't know two or three years, pretty much all the time. And then after that, uh, you know, I got married and. Um, I think she had someone else mowing her lawn then and stuff. And um, so I would mow her lawn and she would do my laundry. It was a great great blessing. I'm a single guy and she did my laundry. I mowed her lawn. And um, it was Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we would get like 100 degrees or whatever in the summer, in the hundreds. Like I remember in Michigan, we would have uh, on the news, they'd have over 100 days of snow every day. And in Oklahoma, they had over 100 days of 100 degrees or more every day. So I'm mowing her lawn even in the summer, and uh, you know, you, you start out, you're like, I'm gonna do anything for God, and you know, then it's like really hot, <laughs> and you've got friends that you've developed now that you wanna go hang out with and everything, and so you feel like, man, I'm really sacrificing, but it was, a, it was such a blessing to do that. And I can remember talking to the Lord while I'm mowing her lawn or weed eating, and like, Lord, I'm I'm doing this because you said to do this, and I want to bless this woman and, and take care of her. Well, she never did tell me, but somebody else told me. When I went to go on staff at Ramah, it was like a, everybody wanted to, at the school pretty much wanted to be on staff, and it wasn't the easiest thing to get on staff. Well, when they were Uh, looking at my app or something like that, she knew the pastor, which I didn't know, and said something to him, and maybe even to Brother Hagin, because she knew Brother Hagin and all this stuff, and so she spoke on my behalf. I found it out afterwards, and I thought so many times, look at at how God rewards faithfulness, because I wasn't going around telling everybody, I mow this widow's lawn, and I'm doing all this stuff, and aren't I awesome? I was, you know, I kept it to myself, and um, you know, Uh, I just did it because the Lord put it in my heart to do it and to serve. And it's amazing to me when we come and we say, Lord, use me as you choose. I'm here to serve. You give me the assignment. I don't have to be the one doing this or doing that. I may want to do this or want to do that, but I'm here to serve. And when you get in that serving position, you're in the position where he can promote you and put you where he wants you to be. See, because I was in the Southern Baptist Church, so when I went to Rama, there's a lot of kids like second generation Rama. So their parents went to Ramah, so they're like, their parents are regional directors, which is their affiliation of churches, all this stuff, and I'm basically a nobody. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm a nobody, because I'm, ha- I'm more introverted, so I'm happy about it. <laughs> but, you know, the thoughts would come like, well, these people, they've already, they know all these people, so they've got a preaching schedule. They can go out and do all these churches, and I don't know anybody. Well, you know, within a month after graduating, I was traveling with Brother Hagan. And then all these people that were pretty proud that they had their affiliations and their relationships were like, huh, tell me what it's like to travel with Brother Hagin. But I didn't do that. God did that. So, uh, because I was in my place and I was serving and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do whatever you have for me to do. And, um, you know, the Lord has blessed us and, um, and prospered us of course as well, but there is no joy or no satisfaction, like the satisfaction of saying, I'm just here to serve you, Lord. Where do you want me to serve? What do you want me to do? And, uh, you know, it kind of gets rid of uh, selfish ambition and, and, and those type of things because uh, it's the easiest thing in the world to have uh, selfish ambition and just say, like, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to do all this. And, um, you know, you can be ambitious in the Lord, but, like, selfish ambition is way different. That's a whole other series. So go ahead and stand with me, if you will. I hope you're enjoying this series. I'm enjoying the series, and um, it's... Um, it's always good to draw upon the spirit of god and draw on what he has placed in the body of christ because jesus put uh, the gifts in the bodies uh, in the body of christ and each member as it pleased him and as it pleases him and faith pleases him and you know humility pleases him and faith and humility really go together a lot so that we're always having a heart attitude to say okay lord i'm here I'm here to serve you. I'm here to do whatever you have for me, and I'm going to be happy and faithful doing it. I remember Stanley Livingston, they found his journal after he had passed away. and You know, Dr. Livingston, I presume, the guy was in Africa and did so much missions work. And <clears throat> um, um, They found his journal, and his last entry in his journal was, My Jesus, my King, my Lord, my all. Once more, I dedicate my whole self to Thee. And that was his last entry. And so you find like um, all of us come to periods in our life when um, you know we just have to refocus and say, okay, Lord, I'm here to serve you. I'm not here for my own good or my own benefits, uh, but I'm here for you. And I'm not doing this because I decided to do this. I'm doing this because this is what you have me do. This is where you put me. And that's the best way to live because really then the pressure's not on you and the pressure's not on me. The pressure's on him. And uh, that's a a very freeing way to live. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have made us, each of us, um, part of your body, that you have given an assignment to each and every one of us. Father, I pray uh, for each person that's here, each person that's listening, that you would uh, give us insight and show us exactly what you'd have for us to do right now. We thank you for places that you've got us involved uh, at the moment. And Father, we thank you for many more opportunities. We thank you that you give us strength, that your anointing flows through us when we uh, stop uh, doing our own thing and we start serving you and we continue to serve you. Father, we thank you for... All of your blessings and benefits. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over every family, over every body, over every bank account, over every heart. Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus. Has freed us from the power of the enemy, that the blood of Jesus has set us free from old habits, from addictions, that the blood of Jesus has made a way for us to come in your presence without fear, but to come in fullness of joy and love. Father, we thank you that your joy is our strength, that we're renewed every day by your word, that your word is alive and powerful, sharper than any sword, Father, that it divides our spirit and our soul. Father, that it helps us know our very thoughts and intents that are in our heart. And Father, I pray um, for all of those uh, that are listening, Father, that you would uh place within them a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Father, that uh, in the knowledge of you and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Father, that we would see things that we've never seen and know things that we've never known. We pray as we go today and as we go this week that you'd give us great opportunities to love on someone with the love of Jesus, to speak uh, your life and your words, uh, to have an encounter with Jesus Christ through encountering us. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.